0: Is real. There's power in your name.
1: We trust in your ways. We need real.
0: Jesus is real. It's Moses, what? The servant of the Lord. Would to God that when people think of you, they would insert your name and say, so-and-so, the servant of the Lord. Because Jesus said the greatest in my kingdom is what? The servant of all. So if you want to attain greatness in this life, and I'm here to tell you, if you're going to be here, might as well shoot for greatness. Your greatness is found in your humble desire to say, I'm a servant of the Lord.
1: Throughout the Bible, you'll find mentions of great people of faith, yet many times you'll find they're listed as the servant of God. This title isn't something many people aspire to. After all, service isn't exactly a glamorous thing to aspire to but Pastor Daniel will remind you today how important serving is. It actually makes you greater in God's kingdom. While you're on the earth, you may as well shoot for greatness and humbly serve the Almighty King. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in Joshua chapter 22 with part one of his message, Returning East. Jesus
0: All right, so let's open up in our Bibles to the book of Joshua, chapter 22, Joshua 22, as we are in the final leg of the book of Joshua, the second series that we're doing that's called Homestead, Joshua 22. Now, do you ever have one of those experiences where you get to the end, you're like, okay, everything's done, but then you realize that everything's never actually done? Do you ever have that kind of experience where you're like, okay, here we go it's over. And then you realize, oh no, 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 it's only just begun. That's kind of where we are because we've already seen the children of Israel move into the promised land and now everybody gets their promised allotment. Literally, it's all been divvied up. And now it's time for those two and a half tribes to go back to the east side of the Jordan. But right away as this season ends, something new begins. And we begin to see the foreshadowing of what will actually be the entire history of the children of Israel. We see that right away, right as everyone gets settled, like we're finally there, only to find that the next journey has begun. And unfortunately, that's kind of the way life is. You know, I was just talking to someone earlier, and I probably say this about 50 times a week to people. That, you know, we love the outcome, but God loves the process, right? Like, we love the arrival, but God loves the journey in getting to the arrival. And really what you find is that if you're still here today, and obviously if you're listening, you are, right? This is another day in the journey. And the key for us is to realize that God has never finished working, that you've never arrived where you want to be. Like I talk to couples who are getting married and I always remind them, you know, cause they're so excited. I'm excited for them too. I'm like, you realize that your wedding day right now, it's a big thing. Like you're planning, you're doing all this stuff, but that's actually the starting line, right? Cause what happens is, is in the way that we do marriage in, um, in our culture, so much energy is put into like the three hours that you get married. But really that is just the starting gun for a life being married. Right. And so it's like, you get to the wedding day, it's all amazing. And then all of a sudden I was like, now you have to figure out how to be married. Right. You have to figure out how to compromise and all these things. And so, and then it's like, you know, a married couple and they get married and, like, and then something like, Hey, we're going to have kids. And then all of a sudden, you know, they're with child and then there's a due date. Right. And then it's like, and everyone's all excited for the due date. And, and I, love, I think the due dates are like kind of the medical professions way of kind of torturing parents before they get tortured by their kids. Because I've never met anyone who had their baby on their due date. I mean, there's probably, there's always someone who has, but very rarely, you know. So it's like, it's either the baby comes early or the baby comes late. And then once the baby comes, it's like, okay, we got the baby. And now the whole process of raising a child begins, you know. And the key for each one of us is to learn, because so often we live in a culture that's always looking for the next thing. So we're never actually present on the step that we're on. We're always looking to get to the next step rather than enjoying what God is doing on this step. And what's amazing is, is that the life of the children of Israel is a continual cycle of God being faithful and doing what he says and the children of Israel struggling and then losing what God has given them. And it's always a process of, People failing and God being merciful and doing a fresh work. And we're at this point, like we've just seen God's promise to Abraham fulfilled through the deliverance of the children of Israel by Moses. And then moving into the promised land. And God was with them, with Joshua. And now everyone has got their land. Okay, we're there. We're in the promised land. It's going to be great. And then right away, things start to go a little south. So we're going to see this today. So we'll pick up the story here in... Joshua 22, verse 1, it says this. It says, Then Joshua called the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh, and said to them, You have kept all that Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you... And have obeyed my voice and all that I commanded you. You have not left your brethren these many days up to this day. But have kept the charge of the commandment of the Lord your God. And now, verse 4, the Lord your God has given rest to your brethren as he promised. And now therefore return and go to your tents and to the land of your possession. Which Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you on the other side of the Jordan. But take careful heed to do the commandment and the law, which Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you to love the Lord, your God, to walk in all his ways, to keep his commandments and to hold fast to him and to serve him with all your heart and with all your soul. So Joshua blessed them and sent them away and they went to their tents. Now. Really what we see, if you remember, Moses had given these two and a half tribes, the, the tribe of Reuben, Gad, and half tribe of Manasseh, gave them land on the east side of the Jordan River. But he said, listen, you get this land, but when we go into the promised land, you have to go in and fight with the other nine and a half tribes. Until they're settled. And then once that's settled. Then you can go back. Because what Moses didn't want. What the Lord didn't want. Is for them to get their inheritance. And not help everybody else. Right? I mean that would, we would never do those type of things. Right? Be a little bit selfish. I don't really feel like going to war for seven years, so, so I'll just take what I got over here. So so they had to go and now because everything has been taken care of, now Joshua calls them to himself and he says to them, and and I love this because he says... You have kept all that Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you, and you have obeyed my voice in all that I have commanded you. Now, what's beautiful about this is Moses and Joshua both charge these two and a half tribes with the same thing. And now he's saying, you fulfilled what I asked you to do, what Moses asked you to do. Now... It'd be real easy to run right over that. But I always make a point that when in the scriptures we see somebody being simply obedient to what God is asking, we always take a moment. We take a note of that because so much of the life that God has for you is on the other side of obedience to what he asks of you. You know, there's no other way to get there. God has extraordinary plans and purposes in your life. But for many of us, we're not willing to be obedient so that we can walk in what God has for us. Now, I'm here to tell you, your obedience is not what gets you saved. You get saved by the finished work of Jesus because nobody is truly obedient in and of themselves. But when you say yes to what Jesus is doing, then God can birth his life and his kingdom where you live. And you have to ask yourself, where am I lacking obedience? Now, that's kind of a challenging question because all of us have stuff, right? We're all in process. So there's certain areas for all of us where not really that together or that solid. For others of us, we're in full-on rebellion in an area of our life. See, and we need to make sure the life that God has for you is on the other side of obedience. See, God can't give you what he wants to give you if you're not willing to walk with him. If you're not willing to honor him on the journey. And so today is another day to take that step. Whatever the thing is that in your heart, the spirit is convicting you about. Just take a step of faith. Repent of that. That's what repentance means. It means to agree with God. That's what confession means. You agree with God and then you turn from going your own way and you turn to God and then you follow him. That's what repentance is. It's a change of mind that leads to a change of direction, which leads to a change of heart. And we repent once when we come to know Jesus. The Bible calls it justification when we become born again. And then every single day we have the opportunities to repent, turn to the Lord unto sanctification, which is us growing in our experience of the finished work of Jesus. So the beauty is, is every single day for us as followers of Jesus, repentance is a vital part of that. It's turning from going your own way into the Lord. And for these two and a half tribes, they fulfilled what was asked of them, both by Moses and Joshua. Now, don't miss the fact, I always love this, Moses, notice verse two, the servant of the Lord. I'm going to tell you, that is the highest accolade anybody could be given right there. It's not Moses, the most handsome, Moses with 3% body fat, Moses with the biggest bank account, Moses who's got the killin'est beard. It's none of that stuff. It's Moses, what? The servant of the Lord. Would to God that when people think of you, they would insert your name and say, so-and-so, The servant of the Lord. Because Jesus said the greatest in my kingdom is what? The servant of all. So if you want to attain greatness in this life, and I'm here to tell you, if you're going to be here, might as well shoot for greatness. Your greatness is found in your humble desire to say, I'm a servant of the Lord. I always think of Mary, the mother of Jesus. And and really, the mother of Jesus is humanity. I think I should be more specific. Mary is not the mother of God. She's the mother of Jesus' humanity. Because God can't have a mom, because that means that God would have been created, which means he can't be God. So Mary adds humanity to the equation of the incarnation. And I love it. When the angel came and spoke to Mary, Mary said, behold, the handmaiden of the Lord. She said, behold, the servant gal of God. I am here to do whatever you want to do. And that is the key. Are you available? Are you like, Lord, not my will, but yours be done. Lord, your pleasure. What would you have me to do and be? And when God says, hey, I want you to do, you say, oh, yes, Lord. I am simply your servant. See, that servant heart posture is not something that's championed in our culture today, is it? I mean, I've never met someone like, so what do you want to be when you grow up? I want to be a servant of the Lord. You, ever, you, ever did that? you know, you're in second grade. What's your goal for life? I want to be a servant. We don't talk that way. But Moses, the servant of the Lord. Live your life in such a way that when people think of you, they think of, insert your name, the servant of the Lord. Such a great testimony here. Now, in verse 3, he says, You have not left your brethren these many days up to this day, but have kept the charge of the commandment of the Lord your God. Now this was, you find this both in Joshua 21 and Numbers 32. These are the two places these things happen. And it says in verse 4, And now the Lord your God has given rest to your brethren as he promised them. Now therefore return and go to your tents into the land of your possession, which Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you on the other side of the Jordan. Now, the idea of that they have now entered the rest, now they're in that place where they have the freedom to live one's own life and one's own land without fear. Now remember... We've made the case that the all the heavy lifting was done, but there were still skirmishes to be fought. But by and large, the children of Israel were at rest. There was safety in the land. There was not some huge issue brewing. He said, because they found rest and you fulfilled what was asked of you, now it's time for you to go back to your land, to go back to the tents and to live in the land. But as they're leaving, I want you to notice that Joshua gives them a number of important things to do. And I want you to take these, not only is this for these two and a half tribes, but I believe this is for all people who desire to follow Jesus. And if you want, you might want to take out your pen and you might want to circle this in your neighbor's Bible. Okay, you want, you want, you want to put a little focus on verse five. Look what it says. But take careful heed to do the commandment of the law, which Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you. Now, notice, take careful heed, which means make sure that you are doing the commandments. Now, notice it doesn't say make sure and take heed that you know the commandments. It's that you do what? That you do them. See, we want to make sure we have right beliefs, but true beliefs that we hold are what we live out every day. And so if all of us were to simply do the things that we know, we'd probably be doing all right. So whatever knowledge you have, you want to translate that empowered by the spirit into the way that you live. See, I love living in an information age. Like I'm a big fan of information to quote that contemporary American theologian, Anthony Kiedis of the Red Hot Chili Peppers. He says that, you know, the younger generation is getting high on information, right? You guys don't know that song, but it's a pretty good song anyway. But the idea is, is that information is at our fingertips and we have more information than we would ever know what to do with. But for many of us, we have all this information, but we're not doing it right. How many of you know how to get out of debt? Now, I'm not going to ask to say how many of you are in debt, right? How many of you know how to be super thin? How many of us are super thin? It's like all these things. How many of us know how to have an amazing marriage or to have an amazing relationship? All of us. But how do we do it? See, it's about where you live. So the key for us is not just to know stuff. See, that's the problem in our day. Everyone knows so much, but people don't know how to be gracious and kind. We have all sorts of information. We can access information across the world, but we don't know how to love people self-sacrificially. We don't have joy in the midst of circumstances. See, we have majored in the minors. And and listen, I'm not knocking information. I'm not a guy who's buried my head in the sand. I love all the information. But what what Jesus keeps doing, he keeps coming back to this. Daniel, I want you to live out what you know. I want you to put feet on your faith. I don't want you to be content to say, I know all this stuff and I'm super smart. I read all these books. But I want you to live this stuff out. Where the rubber meets the road at street level. Where life happens. So take care for you that you do the commandments in the law. That's why we've been studying this stuff. Now, not only that, to love the Lord your God. You notice that in the middle of five? Now, I love that. It's not enough just to do the right things dutifully. God's not content with us just to dutifully do the right things, but we obey God. Why? Because we love God. When they asked Jesus what the greatest commandment was, quoting Deuteronomy 6.5, Leviticus 19.8, he said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and then love your neighbor as yourself. I call it upward, inward, and outward, right? She said, this is the most important thing. Right? So God isn't just content with us being dutiful. He wants that desire for obedience to his stated purposes and plans to lead us into a relationship that is real, that is based on love. And we know that of course he we love him why? Because he first loved us. 1 John 4:19. You might want to tattoo that on your heart. Get a heart tattoo with 1 John 4:19. Now, Not only that, it says next, to walk in all of his ways. right? So not only to keep his, now you're going to walk in his ways. God wants us to catch his personality as we move through life. You know, I I always love watching when people become friends, how people become conformed to be like other people. Isn't it true? Like you meet somebody... And you start spending time with them and you start taking on the things that they say. Like, I remember this from you. So I'm all Italian from New Jersey. And my wife, you know, she's an angel. If you know my wife, Lynn, she's amazing. And I remember I used to come home from work, you know, and I'd walk in, I'd give her a hug and I'd say, hey, how you doing? She said, Daniel, how's your heart? Right. Now i not from New Jersey. So like, I'd never say something like that, you know? And so I would always answer her because I'm from New Jersey kind of sarcastically. Because where I grew up, like sarcasm is a love language, right? So I say, oh, you know, it's a little left center of my chest. is beating, you know, about 70 beats a minute, a little faster because you're around. And she would be like, you know what I mean. And what was funny is I didn't know what she meant. But it was funny. We've been married for about a month. And I remember I went to church one day and I saw someone like, hey, how's your heart? I was like, where'd I get that from? You know, it's like my wife coming out of my mouth. And here's the thing, when you are obedient to the commandments of God and you love God, then you want to walk in the way that God walks. You want your presence in the world to have the same fragrance as Jesus had when he was in the world. See, it's not just about the things that you dutifully obey or even the things you love. It becomes an all-encompassing, holistic way of living that we walk in his ways to keep his commandments. And then we hold fast to him. We don't hold fast to the religion that is built around. We hold fast to him himself personally. I always think of Mary Magdalene. Remember when Jesus revealed himself to her right after the resurrection? I always love the fact that Mary Magdalene is the apostle to the apostles. Right? Jesus revealed himself to her and he's like, go tell my friends. And she was holding on to him, clinging to him. And he's like, Hey, listen, woman, like, I haven't yet said it yet. Like, let me go. You know, I don't think he was mad at her, but she clung on to him, hold on to him. Listen, for some of you right now, With what's going on in your world, you need to hold on to the Lord right now. I think there's some of you right now that one of the reasons you're having such issues right now is that you haven't been clinging on to him. You're allowing all the distractions and all the things that are going on in your life to distract your gaze and distract your attention and distract your energy from holding tightly to the Lord. Because listen, Jesus will get you where you need to be. So we have to hold tight unto him. And notice this. The last little phrase in verse five, and to serve him with all your heart and with all your soul. Remember Moses, the servant of the Lord? Now it's like, don't just serve him like with your leftovers. You serve him with the totality of who you are. Now, can I just say this? The principle of the first fruits is the idea that because God is the source and the sustainer and the creator of everything, that God deserves the first of everything, right? And here's what I want to tell you. You need to give God the first fruits of your energy as well. See, for what most people do is they say, I'm going to schedule my whole weekend. If I have anything left over, I'll go serve Jesus. I'll go show up for kids ministry. I'll do second Saturday. I'll go help my neighbor. I'll do this. But you know what the problem is? That's all upside down. See, what you need, you need to prioritize serving the Lord. You need to say, I'm gonna design the way that I expend my energy during the week by saying, This is how I'm gonna serve Jesus first. In the same way with your finances, most people are like, Look, I'm gonna pay all my bills, and then whatever's, if I have anything left, I'll give it to the Lord. That's all backwards. You honor God with the first fruits because he's God. And the only reason you have anything is because of him. And then you order everything else after it. And the one thing that's not meant to be arbitrary is God. But for many of us, that's the way we live our lives. God is arbitrary. It's flexible. It's driven by margin when really it's supposed to be structural and foundational, driven by principle. God always gets the first fruits.
1: Is real. Before the people of Israel returned to their individual portions of acquired land, God had more to share with them. Through his servant Joshua, God reminded the Israelites how important it was to put him first in their lives. Their survival in the past had depended on their creator, and their future would as well. Pastor Daniel today encouraged you to do the same. Always place God first in your life. Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram have become a regular part of our everyday lives. And we want to be sure to encourage you to check out Pastor Daniel's Facebook page, Twitter feed, and Instagram. Log on to JesusIsRealRadio.com and follow the links. Pastor Daniel shares two-minute video messages throughout the week on his Facebook page. Make sure to tune in again as Pastor Daniel warns you against jumping to conclusions. As the people of Israel returned to their homes, a misunderstanding arose that nearly came to a devastating conclusion, mainly because judgments were made instead of questions being asked. Are there people in your life you've jumped to conclusions about? Instead of writing them off, ask some questions. You might learn something you never knew. There's more to come from Pastor Daniel's series called Homestead. Please glance at the clock right now and make plans to join us again for another edition of Jesus is Real Radio.